Welcome back to The Conversation. I'm your host, Alec Beers. I'm currently working as a marketing coordinator in the city of Lacey, but I've been able to take this time to connect with local business owners for a podcast series on the impacts of COVID-19 on our business communities. I'm so thankful for all the listeners who have tuned into the past episodes, and I look forward to many more. Please forgive the audio quality on this series. I hope to eventually record in a professional radio studio, but for now, since we're observing social distancing, I have to make do with an online conference call without any bells and whistles. In this episode, we will be hearing one of the very first interviews that I recorded for this series. The situation for small businesses has continued to develop over the few weeks since then, and it's more important than ever to support these business owners and hear their perspective. Today, we will hear from Ashley Duvall, one of the owners of Glitter and Suede, a boutique events and venue center in Lacey. As a business that relies on social gatherings for their operations, times are not what they might have hoped. However, they haven't let that stop them from innovating and continuing to adapt in order to stay afloat. With that, let's jump right into the conversation. Tell me a little bit about uh, your business, what your position there is, and how long you have been in that position. So my business is um, Glitter and Suede Events and Venue. We are the new event space off of Marvin Road in Hawks Prairie, Lacey, by the Providence um, Health Center there and McConey's. We are an event and venue space, but our niche is princess and character parties. We've been in business for 11 months. We've almost made our year mark at May. It'll be a year. I am in business with two business partners, Chelsea Evans and Sherry Wilkins. And um, I am considered the CEO since the beginning. We built the venue from the ground up. And... um, but we've technically been in business for almost a year. Almost a year. So still a very young, young business. We're still in our infancy. And what background did you have leading up to starting Glitter and Suede and setting off on that journey? So before Glitter and Suede, my full-time job is real estate. I'm a real estate broker with Van Dorm Realty. Um, And I've, I've been a broker for seven plus years. Before becoming a real estate broker, I worked for Starbucks for most of my um, young adult career. So, and I really enjoyed working for the company. I started as a barista. And when I left, I was pregnant with Brooklyn. Um, no, excuse me. I left after my maternity leave. So, um, And by the time I left, I, I had an assistant manager position. And I, my intention was to be a store manager. But after having Brooklyn and um, you know, your life changes a little bit. I decided to become a real estate broker. And that's been fitting in with the the lifestyle that you wanted to have after having Brooklyn? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So with Glitter and Suede being an event center, I imagine you guys were impacted as soon as the group size restrictions were put in place. Yes. So as soon as the group size restrictions were put in place, we basically had to close our doors. Our entire business model is people gathering. So it made it almost impossible to keep the doors open. We don't offer any sort of secondary services in the venue. For example, like we don't have an espresso stand in the venue um, and we don't have like a restaurant in there that we serve food out of. We are an event and venue space. So when, when that happened, we had to, we had to um, close our doors. Did you try to continue operating after it was reduced to groups of 50 um, or less, or 
did everybody cancel at that point? What did people, what was the reaction of anything you did have scheduled? We were going to try and continue to operate the, the weekend that it happened. We had two parties scheduled, one party canceled. Um, they were a party over 50. And then we did have a small baby shower that felt comfortable enough to continue to have their party. Um, the, and that was during the time that the restrictions weren't so strict and we felt comfortable, um, you know, hosting the party there. It was when um, the restrictions became a little bit tighter that people were either canceling parties or we were forced to close the doors to those parties. And then any events that we had scheduled, for example, like our um, board making classes, our paint and sips, those outside vendor type events that were ticketed, um, we did have to cancel as well. From what you've been saying, it sounds like at this point, there's just nothing going on. Have you been able to adapt and, and continue to offer any kind of product or, or service? Or is it just kind of at zero right now? Right now, I'm trying to adjust and adapt to, to, to figure out how to bring in some revenue. So I'm offering craft kits um, with a princess. So like you get a video with a princess walking you through this craft step by step. Um, and you can purchase the kit. I'll deliver it to your door with a no contact you know, option. Um, and then the kiddo can follow along and, and do this craft kit. Um, but I'm struggling with how to make revenue in this new environment. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to offer story times with princesses or, uh, you know, like a guitar lesson with Elena of Avalar, but I don't really feel like that content is something that's uh, a chargeable, you know, I've been thinking about things to do, like maybe FaceTime videos with a princess and a parent could purchase a certain number of, uh, you know, minutes or, and they could FaceTime with a princess, but this is an entirely new environment for me. So, you know, this digital world and trying to figure out how to basically rewrite my business for this new platform has been interesting. This isn't on my list of, of questions. I'm, I'm curious, do you see things returning to normal or is this something that going forward a lot of these services that you're developing now are things that you're going to continue offering after you can have events again i don't know i don't know and that's what's really scary is you know they say that we're going to be back you know may 4th but who really knows you know so i'm trying my best to adjust to this new digital platform in in the event that this is the new environment that we have to do business in. This isn't the business that I dreamt of when I started my business. I'm not computer savvy and I don't enjoy it one bit. It's not something that I'm passionate about, but I'm finding that I have to be and I have to learn this new environment if I want this to survive. And so to answer your question, I think that, yeah, if things do return to some sort of new normal, I'm going to have to continue to offer things digitally because there are going to be some people that just aren't comfortable gathering even after the restrictions are lifted. And if they are, maybe they're going to have smaller party sizes or, you know, I think that the environment is going to be different no matter what. And so I'm going to have to adjust. It's just a matter of how much and how 
how drastically. So I wanted to ask you, but before everything uh, started with the with the coronavirus and everything, obviously there's still challenges in starting a business. Um, what was the biggest challenge that you were facing before the virus took hold? Like most new business owners, I would say managing the money. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of revenue coming in when you when you're very first starting so it's managing the money while you're still building your brand and you need to spend money to make money um and then establishing our brand identity you know when you're a brand new company you have to build awareness and that's really difficult that makes sense and so now that the the virus has come in and and kind of changed everything and obviously changed a lot of things for you as an event venue what would you say the biggest challenge is now? Trying to keep scaling the business in some way. I feel like we were on such a great path. I mean, we were on a really great upswing. We were starting to um, have a lot of awareness. I felt like we were gaining a lot of traction in the community. And now trying to continue to scale the business in some way that keeps us relevant. Um, has been an interesting challenge. If you were to go back to when you'd started out and you were you were building everything the way that you were, what might you do uh, differently to prepare for something like a global economic shutdown? <laughs> I wish I would have thought more about our online presence. I think that I was conscious about the fact that I needed to post on Facebook and Instagram and, and such about our parties, you know, but I wish that I had a better core system in place right now so that I could be, you know, booking FaceTime calls or doing these online activities without having to build it from scratch right now. You know, I feel like I'm kind of 10 steps behind there. So going back, I wish I would have thought about that a little bit more. So do you have, did you have any employees going in or was it just the three owners? It's the three owners, but we have our employees that are our princesses. So they were basically on call part-time employees. So we're lucky in the sense that we aren't in a position where we had employees that are now out of work because we're shut down. Obviously, the parties that were canceled, those were parties that they were depending on the, that income, you know, but some of them got moved until, you know, June. So that's something that they can look forward to. But also, you know, I'm trying to keep them paid by doing some of these story times and, and such in that sense. Um, and then trying to think of new things to do, like maybe makeup tutorials. And if they film a video, I'll pay them for their time. But, you know, we're lucky in the sense that like a lot of companies out there having to lay off their employees and such, we're not in that boat. With all of the stimulus packages and things at both the local and, and federal level, are those resources something that you've been able to tap into? Are those things that you're looking at? And have any of them been able to apply to your situation? We've been trying to be really thoughtful about what loans and such we apply for. James... Davis with the um, city of Lacey, the EDC, he's been a really great resource with some of the better grants and, and such that are available out there. And I, I have applied for 
a grant. Um, and then I watch really closely for the government assistance and those loans. But to be honest with you, we are not in a place where we can take on many more loan payments. And God forbid that this does take us out. We don't want to be in a position where we've now taken out all these extra loans and have more payments to make. So we're trying to be really thoughtful about not being one of those businesses that's applying for all these loans when potentially it could put us deeper into a bad situation. Do you have any words of wisdom for maybe other businesses that are just starting out or or kind of what guidelines are you using in terms of finding that balance between taking on enough loans that you feel you can operate but not taking on so much that if things don't go back to normal you're in a bad position. What what kind of guidelines are you using for yourself there? For us it's just we have to look at it in a, what can we afford out of our personal, you know, pockets. Can we it, it's basically can we afford what would be basically another car payment? Because there's three of us, that loan would be split between the three so that, you know, it's lucky, but it's, can we, because you know it's coming out of your personal funds at this point. So can you still afford to buy groceries and pay that loan? You know, that's kind of how we've been looking at it because we know it's coming out of our, our personal bank accounts. I don't know how much you can or, or want to speak to this, um, but obviously you are, I imagine, leasing a space. How has it been leasing a space that you can't use? Have you been able to work with the landlord? What has that situation been like? It's been interesting because the, we're in a space where there are a couple new businesses. So it's Glitter and Suede. There's the new Port Cantina Mexican restaurant right next to us. They're brand new as well. The dentist office right next to us is brand new as well. So there's three of us that are brand new tenants and we've all asked for some sort of forgiveness for April or May, you know, move our rent to the end of our term, whatever they can do to work with us. Um, and, you know, the response has been positive. He was, they were able to work with us for April. They moved it to the end of the, our term. Um, and we have to relook at May. Um, I don't know about the other businesses in the, in the complex, but you know, we do also understand that he has his rent to pay as well. So, I mean, it's tough and we're all in the same position. Rent in our area and where we're at is not cheap. It's, um, but we knew when we signed the lease that location for us would eventually be our saving grace because it would help us build brand awareness just because of the traffic that that's in the area. So we thought that you know, paying a higher lease would be okay for us for a while. Nobody saw this coming. Do you have any advice that you would give to uh, other small business owners about how you're staying motivated and focused to solve the problems that you have to solve while being cooped up in your house, not having, in your case, not being able to run the business that you imagined? How are you staying motivated and focused? To be honest, every day is a little different. Um, I'm not motivated every day and I'm not focused every day because there's some days where I just say, I can't believe this. I give up. You know, you feel a little defeated. And then there's days where 
you have that fire again and you realize that um, there was a reason that I started this business. And when I think about quitting or giving up, I have to remember why I started and why I love it and why I have to believe that this will work. And for me, that's kind of what keeps me going. I just have to remember why I started because I do love it. And as hard as this is, I, it will make it through and it may just look a little bit different for a while, but I just have to remember why I started when I think about giving up. And I, and I also have to remember that I'm doing it for Brooklyn too. I want her to be proud of what I've done. And, um, you know, to, for her to say, Hey, look at what my mom does and to be proud of it. I love that. That's great. Is there anything else that you wanted to share, share with the world? I guess I just want to say with this entire experience, I've been absolutely amazed at the way that the community has come together. I can't believe how many other small business owners who are going through the same struggles and issues as myself that have reached out and offered support um, or, or even ways to partner that, you know, maybe I potentially hadn't thought of. And so I think that even though this is such a nasty situation and it's so hard on so many people, it's been extraordinary to see how small businesses are coming together and business leaders in the community are helping. I mean, I've seen so many people offering their services for free that they would normally charge for um, coaching sessions and things like that. So I've just been really impressed. I too have been beyond impressed with how the local business community has rallied to support one another and offered helping hands to those around them. With that, here's a preview of the next episode with a very special guest. Well, let's launch into it from the from the small business side. So tell us a little bit about what your business is, what your position there is, and how long you've been doing that. Sure. Well, um, you know, my name's Andy Ryder, and I own the Shirkling Car Washes. Not only is he a local business owner, he also has a secondary responsibility in the community. I'm having to look at not only as a a small business owner and a local business owner, but also as the mayor of Lacey. You'll have to set aside some time for that episode, as it was by far one of the longest interviews. But like all of these other business owners, it's definitely worth your time. If you would like to get in touch with me about this podcast, you can send an email to podcast at alecbeers.com. This music has been provided by Otis McDonald. I encourage everyone to go check him out on YouTube as he is one of my favorite artists to use for background tracks. I hope everyone has a good rest of their day and here's to our next conversation.